think I feel very fortunate in that I've literally worked my way from the bottom up as coming, you know, I came on as a volunteer and then kind of grew with the company. I felt that while the company was growing, I was also growing as a person and my understanding of business, my understanding of leadership was growing alongside the company. But the, the burden of being responsible for so many people is one that will keep you up at night. It's one that will make you work that much harder because you know, you're affecting people's livelihoods. And as I said, because of our work by supporting adults with, with special needs, that's also a very heavy burden where you need to make sure the, the quality of care is high, that you are profitable enough to be surviving because you are literally providing homes and workshops for people that are dependent on it. It's not just that people can get a new job, especially the people that we support. That's something that, that is on our minds. But although this being a heavy burden, it is also the biggest fuel to your fire, right? Because you know that you're doing good work. You know what you're providing. You're providing a good service. You're helping people progress. And also, if you're looking at the kind of history of the line of work that we are in, it used to come that people with special needs were often housed in massive hospital, shut away from society, and that was their lives. And now we're trying to create a kind of integrated society where it is totally normal for somebody with learned disabilities to jump on a bus and go to the city and being kind of part and at the forefront of, of helping people really achieve their full potential is incredibly rewarding. Welcome back to the Virtual Ventures Podcast, episode 24. I'm your host, Andres Sanchez, and today I am joined by guest Toby emmetz Holly. Toby is the CEO of a non-for-profit, the author of the Forging Balance newsletter, and also a father of six. We hope you guys enjoy this action-packed episode and Toby's amazing story. Subscribe to continue to receive notifications as we put out amazing episodes and help us continue to book amazing guests like Toby. We thank you all for the continued support and hope you really enjoy this episode. Hey, Toby, how's it going? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Andres, nice to meet you and uh, glad to be here. Nice to meet you as well. How's your day started? I know we're in two different time zones. Yeah, for me, it's, it's lunchtime now, but uh, yeah, good start to the day. Kids are on holiday, so it's always a bit of a more relaxed start to the day. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I would say that I'm getting closer to breakfast over here, but... <laughs> I'm blessed to have a beautiful view behind me for today's episode. So I'm really excited to have you on. I'm really excited to dive into your journey. I did some homework and, and you've done some pretty amazing things. The way that I like to do this show is I like to get right into things. So tell us who is Toby? Give us a little background on your journey to get to where you're at now. Sure. So yeah, my name is, is Toby. I come from Germany originally. I was born and raised in a town called Düsseldorf, which is on the western side of the city, of the, of the country. And I moved to Scotland, Edinburgh in 2006. So I spent more or less half my life now, now here in, in, in the UK. Uh, and I came to do a voluntary year. And after I did my kind of voluntary year, I started university. And throughout my whole time here, I've, I've worked for this, this one company where I started off as a volunteer and then kind of worked my way into management and, and senior management. And I'm now lucky to be the CEO of the company. So it's a nonprofit in the care sector. It's very meaningful and fulfilling work that I enjoy. I, yeah, while I was kind of working, I also went to university and, and studied economics. I thought this would be my kind of professional path and started working for the uh, Scottish government for, for a while, but 
it wasn't really, it wasn't for me. Academia wasn't for me. Uh, I was much more, I think, happy in kind of a leadership management position and helping kind of people excel in their, in their roles. That was, that was where I really, um, felt my kind of happy place. And at the same time, when I came here, as luck would have it on my first day of arriving, I met a person that I just fell in love with more or less the moment I saw her. And so we were um, very blessed to, to call her my wife now, and we've been together more or less since, since I arrived in, in Scotland. So it's been nearly 17 years now of, of being together and, uh, we've got six amazing kids. That's amazing. And is she from Scotland or did you both kind of just end up there? Yes. Yeah, so she's from England originally. So her journey wasn't too far, but yeah, she's, she's also, I think since she was 12, she's been living in Scotland. So longer than me, we both wouldn't say we're both not Scottish, but we're, it's kind of our adopted home now. Awesome. And you mentioned something there. You left Germany at 19. I saw, what was that experience like? Yeah, that was, that was daunting. Obviously at the time, most of the people that I went to school with some of the, some of the boys would kind of join uh, the military because that was sort of a requirement at the time. And a lot of other people would kind of start off with university or internships. But there was uh, a group of three of us who decided to do our kind of civil service year, which was either military or that. We decided to do it abroad. One went to Peru, one went to Kyrgyzstan, and it was me who went to Scotland. So the three of us were the, the wild ones that kind of chose a completely different path to anybody else. And yes, daunting, but uh, obviously the best decision of my life. But I think also just a great thing for anybody who wasn't, or for me at least, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in life and being kind of plunged into a very different world and having to grow up really, really quickly was, was definitely what I needed. That's awesome. And, and looking back from that, what would you say are some key takeaways from an experience like that? Cause I'm sure there may be people listening that left their hometown when they were younger. What are some of the positives and even what are some of the negatives from that experience? Yeah, I mean, negatives are, are quite quickly to name. You're obviously leaving everything behind, right? So all your friends, family, all of that is, is a price that is a, it's a heavy price to pay because when you move away, all, all those comforts, but also those relationships, they will take a, a strain. You will lose connections. You will lose friendships quite quickly. Equally, I think the people that stay with you throughout this journey, they are the really the real kind of true friends, the ones that really will stick with you for life. So that's great. And there are some, some of our best friends that are still from that time. We've moved away, but we've kind of stayed in contact. So that's been great. But in terms of the positives, I mean, as I said, the, the forcing function of being able or being, being forced to grow up very, very quickly to adapt very quickly, challenging environments. For me, it was, as I said, in that voluntary year working in a care hall. So with people with special needs, something I'd never experienced before, I was definitely afraid of doing that and wondering if I could do it or not. But I think by moving away and kind of removing that, the option of a plan B of just, you know, just doing something else in your home city, but I was already away from home. So I had to just persevere and find it within myself to kind of overcome these obstacles and, and adapt and get to get used to a new culture, get used to a new language, meeting loads of new people. And I think with that, what it allows you is to discover yourself because what happens when you are growing up in high school, you are a certain person, you're shaped by the people around you and throughout your teenage years, you make, you know, you, you do stupid stuff and whatever, and that stays with you. Everybody knows what you've done. And you know, you kind of become a certain figure 
but moving away for easier from that. So you can just say, okay, nobody knows me. I can just discover who I want to be. And that is so freeing. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. That's amazing. And I totally agree. I think it's, it's super cool to be able to go start kind of fresh somewhere new. I haven't had the ability to do that, but me and my significant other plan on traveling and, and potentially living somewhere different for a period of time just to enjoy something like that. Um, you work for a nonprofit. You said it wasn't your expectation to stay there for what is it now? How many years have you been working there? 17? 17 years tomorrow, actually. 17 years tomorrow. That, that's yeah. absolutely amazing. Like, take me through that journey. Like, how'd you even start at that company? And then what was it like when you realized, oh, man, I think, I think I'm going to be staying here long term? Yeah, it was work that was daunting for me because I had no experience with it whatsoever. But equally, whenever I feel there's something that's like daunting or you're afraid of, it's probably where you should lean into, right? It's that comfort zone that's, that's trying to keep you back, that's trying to keep you small. And I kind of felt, you know what, I've, I've lived a life as an only child in the city, not really caring for others or needing to care for others. It was always just like, you know, being my parents. But I knew there was more to life. I knew there was, you know, and I had the ability, I was young enough to like, to give back to some degree because I was, I was very fortunate. So there was some, there was a voice to me saying, do you know what, why don't you try this? Why don't you just try and be there for others rather than just focusing on yourself? So that was definitely uh, a large motivator. And then over the time, I mean, I definitely had thoughts and we had, you know, discussed, is this for us? Should we move away? Should we do a different job? And as I said, in terms of me professionally with university, I definitely anticipated either working for the government or academia or consultancy work or something like that. That was definitely on the cards, but I realized that the work that I was doing was actually so meaningful and was impacting lives directly. And it was providing for my family. I didn't know why I would leave. Like the only reason really was a higher paycheck and I got those offers, but I just thought, look, I'm just going to give up the quality of life and the time that I have with my family just to drive a different car. And that wasn't a choice I was willing to make. Yeah. And I think you might've answered one of the questions I had down here, but I saw one of your tweets and it said, why I said no to a $250,000 job offer. Why? I mean, you might've just answered it there, but maybe add a little context to that. Yeah, that was an offer that came in about two years ago. Somebody that I met through a kind of, I was doing a certification to become a coach, which I did to basically become a better a better leader within my company. I thought I had personally received coaching and I've realized that that can be something really, really powerful to help, help your team reach their potential. So within that course, I met, I met somebody, a great person, and they just said after one of our kind of training calls, could you just stay on and, and let's have a chat? And he was mm -hmm. like, look, you know, be, I've got this opportunity here. Uh, would you like to, to jump, jump on board? And obviously that was like, wow, okay, this is, you know, like four times more than, you know, I was ever hoping to be making and, and, you know, I took it back home and we discussed it, but it was actually really curious to see that the discussion then led into like, okay, what does that mean? Like it would have meant moving to the U S obviously a different city, warmer climate, which seemed like great, you know, Scotland isn't known for its warm, nice climate. But it was actually going through that, that, that experience of actually somebody saying, you know, you have a ticket now, you can leave. If you wanted to, you can have this other life. And that made us really reflect of like, okay, what do we have? Not just that, but also like, what is the trajectory in terms of where are we? Where does that lead us? Where does it lead our kids? And where would this other life lead us? And the biggest thing would have been 
I wouldn't be present for my family. Like, yes, we could have had a higher standard of life. Yes, it would have been a great climate and all of that. But the price to pay to not be there for a family and especially, you know, with six kids that I didn't want to be a dad that was away from them. And that made it quite quickly, quite clear. And, and you know, inversely helping us actually realizing how much we enjoyed and, and loved where we were. Awesome. And you stepped into a CEO role at 30 years old. A question I had written down here was CEO and family man. If people follow you online, they, they, they realize that. How do you balance that? It's obviously not a, an easy balance to make. I think what, what I found for myself is I'm always asking myself the, the question of like, obviously what's most important to me. And yes, family is the number one thing, but also the work we do is incredibly meaningful. So those two answers really lead me or led me to design my working day in my life around the things that I hold most dear. So I feel I'm very fortunate in that Edinburgh isn't a very big city comparatively to other cities. So everything is kind of in driving distance. So what it might mean is I will, on, in the afternoon, I will take my kids to a sports practice and I will sit in the car and I'll work in the car rather than just working from a home office or whatever. I'm being very, very fortunate to be able to do that. So emails 4 p.m. I'll sit in the car park, rain drizzling on the, on the car, but that's, that's okay. And then being there for the, for the family in the evening and being there for them in the morning when they get up, but then paying the, paying the price of saying I work on weekends and I work in the evenings. So when the kids go to bed, I still put in an hour, hour and a half, uh, whatever is needed. And that might not sound very healthy in terms of constantly working, but I don't see it like that. I think it's really about work-life integration and saying, rather than saying I'm working between nine and five or nine and six, whatever it would be. And then just being fully present for them. I want to also be present for my children during the day. So we have as much contact time as possible. I'm there for them for whatever's going on. I'm, I'm there and they can speak to me. And if it means that I'm losing a bit of sleep or I don't watch Netflix, but I am doing work, that's a, that's a price worth paying. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love that. Another tweet that I saw that you put out was nonprofits are arguably harder to run than a normal company. I'd love to get a little bit of a, a deeper dive into what your day-to-day -day looks like at the nonprofit, what the CEO of a nonprofit looks like. So I think once you're in that kind of C-suite as a kind of the corporate language will, will, will mm -hmm. tell me, once you're in that, I don't think it makes much of a difference whether you are for a for-profit or non-profit company and you're doing all the same things, right? So it's, you know, you're adhering to regulation, there's lots of HR, there's finance, you know, strategy, operational, that it will be the same more or less for any company, especially if they're the same size as a for-profit company. What makes the non-profit that much harder is, especially depending on how you're funded, but you're always fighting for funding. So you are not necessarily able to just provide a better product or market yourself to a certain degree where you're suddenly increasing sales. So I cannot just bring out a new product in, in a social care scenario that doesn't work. We are providing support for people and the way you're paid in, in our line of work is your, is through kind of government funding, but that isn't always forthcoming. That is quite hard to negotiate. And it's in a, in a funny way, you're kind of providing a service and the purchaser tells you how much they will pay for it, which makes it very, very hard. So rather than you just focusing on the quality and your sales, you also need to work on diversifying income, keeping costs very, very low, which again, it's the same for any company, but the, the kind of struggles in terms of 
making sure that you get paid enough are very different. And then the other thing is obviously with being with us being a nonprofit, the scrutiny in terms of regulations and government oversight are that much higher. So you need to make sure you adhere to that and you've got more paperwork attached to it as well. So you're kind of, you're always taking an extra step with everything you do compared to a for-profit, uh, which makes it a bit harder. But I would say in terms of a, a day-to-day scenario, it is very much the same as any, any CEO in any company. And then as a CEO, being responsible for so many people and, and being responsible to, to, to lead the ship and, and point it in the right direction, how has that, one, how has that affected you mentally? And, and what have you gained from that over, over the period of being the CEO? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a very heavy burden to carry. I think I feel very fortunate in that I've literally worked my way from the bottom up as coming, you know, I came on as a volunteer and then kind of, kind of grew with the company. So the company was much, much smaller when I started. I would say we're probably a quarter of the size. And equally, I felt that while the company was growing, I was also growing as a person. And my, my understanding of business, my understanding of leadership was growing alongside the company. I was able to, to gain that much more experience and to really have an in-depth understanding of most of the aspects of what's, what we do and all the different uh, variety of, of uh, support that we offer. So that's been, that's been great. But the, the burden of being responsible for so many people is one that will keep you up at night. It's one that will make you work that much harder because you know you're affecting people's livelihoods. And as I said, because of our work by supporting adults with, with special needs, that's also a very heavy burden where you need to make sure that the quality of care is high and that you are profitable enough to be surviving because you are literally providing homes and workshops for people that are dependent on it. It's not just that people can get a new job, especially the people that we um, we support. Uh, so that's, that's something that, that is on our minds. But although this being a heavy burden, it is also the biggest fuel tool to your fire, right? Because you know that you're doing good work. You know what you're providing. You're providing a good service. You're helping people progress. And also, if you're looking at the kind of history of, of the line of work that we are in, it used to come that people with, you know, special needs were often housed in, in massive hospital, shut away from society. And, you know, that, that was that, that was their lives. And now we're trying to create a kind of integrated society where it is totally normal for somebody with learned disabilities to jump on a bus and go to the city and being kind of part and at the, at the forefront of, of helping people really achieve their full potential is, is incredibly rewarding. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just so powerful. And, and I really, I love that you've dedicated your life to this amazing work. You, you've. This is, I mean, I think other large CEOs have said this, but you had the unique experience where you were able to go through and work your way through the company all the way up to that CEO role. How impactful do you think that was to your performance and to the way that you view the company as a whole, instead of just going in and taking the CEO role right when you joined that company? Massively, massively important is, I think for two, two reasons. Number one. You understand, or for me, I understand to a certain degree what it's like to be a volunteer here. I've done that. I understand what it means to be somebody working on the ground in, in the workshops. I've done that. I know what it's, what it means to be one of the mid-level managers. And so I've, I've done, I've done all of these elements. So when somebody comes and tells me about their experience, I have a certain level of knowledge, empathy, uh, that comes with that. So 
that is just like, that's absolutely massive. Awesome. And, and we've been talking about that CEO role a lot, your job at the company, but you also run a newsletter and newsletters are becoming so popular. A lot of people have made the conscious choice to try and, and do their best to take their platforms that they built on social medias and take them to a newsletter as kind of insurance to be able to own kind of your following instead of being susceptible to these big social media companies blocking you, removing you, all of these crazy things. So how has it been to start a newsletter? What is the newsletter really about for people listening? And where can they go and subscribe to it? Yeah, so last one quickly first up. I mean, on my kind of social media pages, the, the link is there. The The website is called forgingbalance.com. And on that, you will be able to sign up. It's, it's a Substack newsletter. I started it um, beginning of 2021. Um, and it was really, I think for the first half year, I had 13 subscribers. It was, it was my parents and friends that I made sign up for that. I'm not sure much they read of it or not. It was really, I mean, on the one hand, it actually ended up, I think, being a lot of self-therapy of just writing about stuff and then, and then putting that out there. But the aim at the beginning was to find people that were kind of like-minded to what I was thinking and find people that were trying to really kind of forge the best version of themselves, especially if it was other dads, other CEOs, other people that were kind of in a similar kind of situation to me. And I've been very, very fortunate that writing online has exactly enabled that. I found amazing people um, and other moms that, that are doing fantastic jobs and really just being able to connect with those amazing people and learn from them and, and talk to them. So that's, it's, it's really, it's been much better than I thought it would be. So that's one. Um, and the newsletter really isn't very much a thing in terms of them not I'm not selling anything. I'm not providing any kind of teaching within it as much as it is a reflection of what's going on in our world and trying to reflect on how it's like to have that, trying to strike that balance between um, having the nine to five, being a CEO, having a large family and trying to have the kind of best marriage I can, uh, I can have with my wife, but also that, that third factor, which I find a lot of uh, dads actually struggling with, which is what is it about, like, what, what do you want? Because, you know, obviously life, family life and, and work is, is paramount, but there's an element where people still want to pursue their own goals, whether that's fitness or they want to achieve something or they want to write a book or whatever it is. But often that is like, you know, that's just shelved and nobody really pursues that. But that's the bit that gets you really frustrated, I think, over, over time. And you need to kind of find a way to pursue that. For me, which is that, that is very much a kind of normally fitness, fitness driven goals and, and seeking adventures to a certain degree. And that's what I write about. It's just like, you know, these three areas in my life, some insights, um, and just, we you know, when I research something or find something new that I found to be helpful, I share that with the audience and it's, it's great to get the feedback back, getting emails coming back saying, oh, this was really helpful. Or can you dive more into that? So it's been really good to kind of also steer me to know what people find interesting and what they don't find interesting. So that very personal note of just saying how stuff is, the good and the bad, that's, that seems to be resonating. Yeah, I know some people try and use their newsletters as like a sales tactic, a way to push like offers. So I, I think it's super cool that you just utilize it as a way to kind of vent to the world and allow that to trickle down into other people's lives who are in similar situations and 
really just giving them the ability to be at peace, knowing there's other people kind of going through the same type of situation. Um, when you click on the newsletter, it says at the top that you're a coach for high performing entrepreneurs and executives. Maybe walk through that um, and how you do coach and, and help other executives and entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, the as I said, the the main thing for, for the coaching I was doing is really helped me with my nine to five and the people that I work with. So um, try and help them achieve their potential and kind of challenge myself to be able to be the best, I guess, manager, but, you know, co, um, co-leader with them to achieve the best for our, for our work. And the other thing that I found, which I found incredibly rewarding is that I've connected with a lot of, um, other people in this, in the same kind of work that I'm doing. So people that run similar organizations to myself, there's one uh, I've been uh, very fortunate to work with who's situated in South Africa, for instance, and other dads that I've met on Twitter and, um, just kind of have that rapport and being able to just kind of, when they come get in touch with me to say, look, you know, I'm struggling with this kind of work-life balance. So I'm struggling with finding time for myself and to sit down and actually work out, okay, how do, how do, how do I try and do that and, and listen to them and see how they, what they're struggling with and how we can uh, maybe find ways to say, okay, let's make sure that we understand the purpose that you're trying to, trying to forge. What is it that's the big vision that you're having? crystallizing that vision and then crystallizing the goals and the habits and the systems that will support that. So it's very much the stuff that I talk on, talk about on Twitter and I didn't then kind of personalize to just go through to kind of one-on-one experience, um, and help them that way. Amazing. And, and just talking to you throughout this 25 minutes here, you seem like a very disciplined person. Like you said, your kind of things that you enjoy are fitness, health, I saw you, like you also mentioned adventure. I saw some amazing pictures of you and your kids hiking and, and walking. How important is it to get out and go for a walk? How important is it for people working remote to get out of their desk and go move around? Because just looking through your tweets and things like that seems like something you're passionate about. Uh, passionate and very fortunate as well, I would say, because we live right on the edge of the, of the hills here. So the pictures you're seeing is very close to home. <laughs> so that's, that's great. I mean, Scotland, beautiful. Oh, amazing. And actually I was, I went back home over the weekend to see my dad and the city that I grew up in, which is a very similar size to Edinburgh, but it's just, it's a concrete jungle, more or less. There's a <laughs> river that flows through it. And I just found it so oppressive oppressive in a way, like even if I was working there and going for a walk, but I, it just, it's just concrete left, right and center. And I realized how fortunate I am uh, to be here and seek that green space. And that is definitely uh, an absolute passion. I mean, the, the best, the, the best mornings are the ones getting up early and, and going for a run in the hills and when the sun is coming up. I mean, that is just, that is amazing. It's a bit harder when it's uh, winter time here because it's always dark and you're running over ice. So that's not as much fun, but equally, once you get it done, I found that for me, um, getting up early and, and doing a morning workout, which frankly is also the only time I have normally just for myself. So that makes it quite, quite important. <laughs> but having that time in the morning where, you know, you could listen to an audiobook or podcast and, you know, a lot of times that would be kind of business related or self-improvement to just kind of figure out, okay, you know, what are elements that can improve on my life and, and then kind of have that, have that outlet of becoming fitter and, and, and healthier through the workout in the morning. It just sets you up right for the day. It's just such a great habit to get into and not for, you know, early morning isn't for everybody. For some people it's at night, but I found that 
and speaking to other dads that having that kind of 30 to 60 minutes of just really focusing on becoming a better version of yourself is, is something that will carry you for the rest of the day. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I wish, <laughs> I wish I was better at getting up in the morning and, and getting stuff done because I agree it, it is hard to get it done at the end of the day. And it's something that I'm, I'm working on right now for myself as I go out and I mean, I work remote and I think it's hard sometimes to get yourself out of that loop of work, eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep. So it's been something that I've started to work on. And this podcast has been a huge reason for that because I meet with so many amazing people like yourself. And it's, it's almost undeniable at this point that these habits are ingrained in successful people like yourself because the sample size at this point is big for me <laughs> and it's, it's, it's very common. So it, it's great to, it's great to, to hear your perspective on it. And it's definitely something that I've made public on the podcast that I'm working on for myself personally. So it, it's, it's amazing. And the, the, your story has been amazing, like getting to hear all of these different, um, perspectives and the way that you navigated your career and, and stuck with what really mattered to you and didn't go chase those dollars. I would say that's not not very American. I feel like here in America, everybody is just money hungry, going for that next paycheck, going for the next um, the next raise, job, promotion. So I would say maybe a good word is refreshing to hear the way that you think about it and the way that you've kind of navigated your career. And look how successful you've been. Look at the relationships you've created at home. So super powerful and, and really just a congratulations to you for building such a successful life so far. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's, that's really, really nice to hear. I guess when you, when you were speaking, the, the, the thing that came to my mind is, and I know it's different in Europe compared to the U S because the thing for in the U S the strain on making more money is also that much harder when you have children, because you want to provide them for college, medical insurance and all of that. So we're very fortunate that we don't have that. And I think if I lived in the U S we wouldn't be having this discussion necessarily in the same, in the same format, because I might be chasing those dollars much more, but I do think there's, there's an element where the question is, you know, what are you trading off? So I know that I know how to work hard. I know how to grind. So if I needed to make more money when the kids are out of the house to, to secure my retirement, I know I can do it. I can work two jobs if I needed to, like I've done that more or less for all my life, you know, being a full-time student and working full-time and having a family kind of learn to, to, to manage that. It's not always easy, but it's possible, but I'd rather, I'd rather, I guess, push myself later on a bit more and have the time now with my children when they're young and they want to have a relationship with me because the other way around doesn't work. Right. So making all the money now and then saying, guys, I'm free now. And they're being 16, 17, 18. And they're like, well, we don't care. We don't want to be with you <laughs> now. Again, that's, I think it's just very fortunate to have, to be aware of that and also have have my wife being really, really clear, like, you know, what is the kind of family that we want to have, which is a family that's based on having adventures together and, and making memories rather than drowning in possessions. Yeah. I mean, it, amazing. Like these are things that I envy and I hope that as I get older and I look to start a family that I'm able to achieve and, and, and have a life like this because it's, it seems amazing. Something I like to do at the end of every episode is I ask the same question to every guest and it's, it's a very simple question and I've had answers from every point of view and it's Toby, what are, what are you excited about in the near future? 
I'm excited about the continuous growth really in the relationship that I'll have with, with my family. I think that's, that's the most exciting thing to see where the different characters of my kids, how they're going to develop and, and what that means as a, as a family, how that will shape the way that we interact. And then through that, what are the adventures that we're going to go on, whether that's travel or hobbies they get into that we might align with and, you know, I might be able to, to share uh, very special moments with them that way. That's something I'm, I'm really excited for. Amazing. What a, what a great way to wrap us up here. I absolutely love that response. Um, where can people find you? I want anybody listening who's been interested to be able to go connect with you and, and chat with you and follow your journey. Where's the best place for them to do that? Best place would probably just Twitter and Instagram. Um, and the, the handle is Toby with an I, so T-O-B-I underscore Emmons, which is E-M-O-N-T-S. Awesome. And for anybody listening, that will all be listed in the description below. Toby, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so excited to put this episode out, let people hear more about your story and continue to stay connected and follow you on your journey. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. Awesome.